It said a demon fell from the sky. Then a man appeared, a man in a blue box. Who knows? Perhaps he's coming back. What's that? There are those of us who never lost faith. And in his wisdom, Harold Saxon prepared for this moment. He knew that he might die, and he made us ready. Tonight, Mrs. Saxon, he returns. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and you. If she ever remembers me, her mind will burn and she will die. Doctor! You're starting to remember! The people of that world did sleep and shiver, somehow knowing the dawn would bring only one thing. <laughs> the final day. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and we have finally reached part one of the end of time. And who are we? Well, again, I am Kyle Jones, and welcome back once again, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing great, man. And as always, I'm happy, happy, thrilled, excited to be on another episode of Discussing Who, man. Well, I am thrilled. Happy and excited to have you back as well as also being thrilled, happy and excited to say welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Hi, guys. I'm Grant. I'm Grant. Good to be back with you. Anything oh. interesting been going on with you guys that you would like to share since it's been since our last recording? It's been about two to three weeks since we recorded a Discussing Who episode. So anything that you guys have had happen or want to talk about before we get into the news. Oh, well, I got to go to Podtails in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, hang out with a bunch of my friends from uh, Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. In fact, uh, all uh, six of the shows would have been represented if we could have gotten somebody like David Deere from the Ninth World Journal there. But um, that's just that was just a. Uh, I'm I'm astonished that we got so so many of us there as we did. So uh, that was like a miracle. <laughs> Particularly uh, Eddie Louise from uh, the Tales of Sage and Savant. She the day before she was in Moscow. Wow. And, yeah, I, I came in there complaining about how hard it was to get me up there from from Birmingham, and then she came in and I I shut up. But <laughs> and, and she hadn't slept. So like. By the time Podtails ended, she was in like hour 36 of being awake, and I couldn't figure out what was holding her up. But anyway, but but Podtails, this is the first ever Podtails. It was an experiment, and I feel sure they're going to do it again next year because the the A-listers were there. It was they brought in people from from all over the world as special guests, and there were so many of us guys like me being exhibitors. And uh, then they open the doors to the general public and so many enthusiastic, interesting and interested people came in to find out about new audio fiction podcasts. And um, I think uh, I think I got some new subscribers. A lot of people went away from the relativity table happy, but it was just uh, just a fascinating time all around. So everybody listening to this, if you weren't there, I wish you had been there. Well, you so. know, since you brought up Podtails, I mm. have to, on air, give a very, very, very big Oz9 thank you to Shannon Perry. And you also, Lee, for sending me this cool video where I'll just say, you know, no matter what else happens on the rest of this episode, it's not my fault. That's not your fault. So let's get into the news. And the biggest thing in the news is coming up in 2020. Fury of the Deep. It is a missing sixth serial of the fifth season of Doctor Who. This is from 1968, and the BBC will be releasing it in animated form next year. So another second Doctor serial. Thoughts? I love all these animated recreations. It's so it's so wonderful that uh, fans, for the most part, recorded the audio of these shows off their TV sets. 
and the BBC has the resources to clean up and improve these audios because, of course, they, they're, they're, they're awful. <laughs> these recordings made off a tiny little speaker with a tiny little microphone. But uh, And then these teams work for months and months to bring this animation to the story, and it gives us a chance to see something like Fury of Fury from the Deep. You know, for for the first time since it was since it was broadcast, it's 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 going to be it's going to be amazing. Cool, cool. Well, I'm sure we will know more about that as 2020 gets closer, and I'm sure that a way we will know more about that will be probably within the pages of Doctor Who magazine. And I mentioned Doctor Who magazine because with the release of issue. 544, 544 issues in the bag. They are celebrating 40 years of publication. So considering the fact that magazines seem to be struggling, you've got a Mm. Doctor Who magazine with 40 years under its belt. My hat's off to them. No kidding. It really is amazing. And uh, a lot of magazines have survived by going completely digital, and they have not. There's still the in-print version on the newsstand so so let me pose a question to the two of you based on what you just said lee when you guys have the magazine of your choice whatever it may be whether it be you know computers sports comic books uh whatever Mm -hmm. do you tend to stay paper form or do you guys seem to trend to the digital format Hmm. I don't know. It just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak a little blasphemy here, but it just seems like magazines are dead for all intents and purposes. Um, I'm the type of person who I don't really follow one publication in particular, but I have a feed that I've subscribed to various news outlets on the internet. So mm-hmm. for me, it's even rare to go to the website itself. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people that still read magazines. You still see them on coffee tables, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just not a thing that I'm a part of. Interesting. <laughs> but you're right. You see them on coffee tables. That's <laughs> no, what about, I, what about I, you, Lee? Well, I subscribe to a bunch of magazines, but I think uh, I'm like Clarence. Even though I, 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 I say that I love the tactile you know, sensation of the paper, very often these magazines sit around my house and I don't read them. But do I look constantly at my RSS feed of articles from Wired and the Smithsonian and National Geographic? And, you know, uh, yeah. So so I'm reading Wired. <laughs> I'm reading selected articles from Wired all the time. <laughs> but, but just I'm, not but I, the Wired between two pages. That's or, right. Or, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting for me. I, you know, and I know we've mentioned this before on various podcasts, but Clarence, you and I did a a episode back of discussing who when we were still talking comic books on this podcast where i'm adamant that oh i love the feel of paper and mm-hmm. you know now i'm 95 percent all digital so yep. it's interesting and for us to be able to say that and for doctor who magazine to be going strong again is another reason to give a hats off to them absolutely yeah, yeah and why it's funny that maybe magazines as a, as a media are probably at their lowest if you talk about the physical side of things. But I think more people are reading articles now than maybe ever before. I know it's a lot of TLDR, you know, but a lot of people do click in and see an article and may get just a a bit of it. But I think even though the physical medium is, is is probably at its lowest and it's going to be on a steady decline, I feel, I do think a lot of people are reading a lot more, um, just probably the nature of being online. Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? In the nature of discussing who and being a podcast, I think it's important for us to say or for me to say at this point, if you have not seen part one of the end of time, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, take us off pause, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 All righty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The End of Time Part 1. This 
story, not this episode, but this story served as the swan song for the Tenth Doctor's era, and it aired in two parts, on Christmas Day 2009 and on Part 2, New Year's Day 2010. In this episode, we will review Part 1, which features the return of the Series 4 cast of Companions, along with John Sims' incarnation of the Master. So, summary view. And Clarence, why don't you go first? What did you think of this episode, part one? Mm, um, I think I might speak, speak a bit of blasphemy once again. Um, I didn't really enjoy this episode. <laughs> I do think it has some very awesome parts in it. I mean, getting to see Wolf again and uh, especially Donna in this, this first part of this two parter. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, some of the things with John Sims uh, just felt too comical and zany. And it always, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just what we should expect from his character. Uh, but I, I don't know. It just felt a little out of place. He felt like, you know, a, a superhero uh, <laughs> flying around the set. So I don't know. I really didn't enjoy that part that much. But I do think once we get to what he does, I really enjoyed that by the end of the episode. So I don't know. I feel like it was up and down. It felt like a lot of filler, but I don't, I think I still liked it kind of maybe. What about you guys? Cool. Lee, what say you? Um, well, I, I'm a lot the same way. I, and I, I guess ever since this episode aired, I've been trying to figure out why super villain master bothered me so much. I just really, really, really don't like that. And, um, but I, I keep trying to figure out why not. We, we always enjoyed this story when the doctor has a villain who is more powerful than he is. So it really looks like the doctor is going to lose, you know, his, his ongoing battle and, and the danger is very real. It's, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a thrilling conflict, but I, I don't know why, but, and it does sort of ruin the, the the show for me um uh, the the episode i should say um but boy isn't david Tennant terrific in this and there's so there's so many really great ideas in this script and bernard cribbins wow uh for people who don't take him seriously as an actor they just need to watch this two-parter because he has to run the gamut he has to do everything and it's 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 brilliant so so yeah i i've got a lot of Positives and negatives about this. How, how about you? Okay. So I think you guys perfectly framed what I've been feeling ever since I watched this again in theaters back in August when Fathom Events did the celebration of the 10th anniversary since this is aired. And of course That's they right. did this as one big, you know, story, not part one, part two, you know, one sitting. And I remember commenting to you guys that at some point I got bored. I, you know, really got bored sitting through it as one big long watch. And here's what I think's the problem on a summary level. There are fantastic parts of this story, but I think it fell into the catch 22 or whatever the pro- pro- appropriate thing to say here is it fell into the, it is a Christmas episode and it needs to be extra length. So we're going to make this this long and we're going to make this that long. I would have rather have had a Christmas episode if they wanted to break it up in two. I would have rather you gave me a 85 minute story and broke 85 minutes down into 42 and something minutes a piece, and then you got rid of some of the fluff that I think we're going to talk about here in a minute. But there are some great, great moments in this. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, one of the great moments, and I'm curious to see what you guys think, starts at the very beginning. We hear this unnamed narrator start to off and say, it is said that in the final days of planet Earth, everyone had bad dreams. Everyone forgot those terrible dreams except for one man. So at the beginning, we see Wilfred again, and he's inside a church, and he meets this mysterious woman in white. So, Lee, what were your initial thoughts on this woman? Um, well, I was intrigued. 
And I thought, I can't wait to find out who this is supposed to be. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So, and if we're going to talk about only about episode one, maybe I shouldn't say any more about that. But I, you know, I thought this is a, this is a, the kind of setup where the, the whole purpose of having a character that we haven't met before is for us to be somehow surprised or edified or something by finding out who she is. I don't mean necessarily that she is um, a character that we've seen before, you know, in the series, and we just didn't recognize her because she's a time lady or something. But just just to find out where she, where she came from, uh, you know, does she represent the Shadow Proclamation? You know, who who is it? So that's to me that that's that's a large part of it. Okay, Clarence, what about you? What were your initial thoughts? I really didn't have any. I I still don't know who she is, so she's kind of irrelevant to because I do not remember the second episode. So, <laughs> which is good, uh, good, good, yes, yeah. She's kind of just um, looks like she's pushing an agenda in this episode, but you don't really get a clear picture of where it's going. So, having not recently seen the second episode, I really have no idea. So, what about the return of Wilf? Because again. They had their happy ending as of a story at the end of Journey's End, Series 4. And we go three specials without, you know, Christmas episode and then the two earlier specials in 2009. And we mm-hmm. see the return of Wilf. Thoughts on seeing Wilf again? Did you say happy ending at the end of uh, the <laughs> Well, yeah, good point. Maybe not so happy. <laughs> yeah, very, very but, sad ending. And I think... Uh, Wilf is, has been feeling what we've been feeling, man. Just to see Donna end on such a sad note, um, and not being, being able to remember what's, what's transpired and Wilf can't give it up. <laughs> and lo and behold, he's formed his little troop of soldiers who have some inkling of remembering things in their dreams and they're going to figure out, find out where the doctor is. And, um, I really like Wolf in this episode. Uh, anytime I've seen him on screen, he's been fun. Um, kind of disturbing that he's went from a paintball gun to a real gun. Uh, that kind of gave me pause. But, <laughs> but, but seeing yeah. him in this episode again, um, he's always his fun self. And, uh, Lee mentioned, mentioned the acting, um, just always stellar with him. Mm. What about you, Lee? What did you think of Wilf's return? Mm. All those things, uh, Clarence said it uh, for me very, very well. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I can't think of anything to add to that. I, I was just uh, delighted that it was going to be a story with Wolf in it, but it does mean a story with Donna, and we that fills us with fear. Yeah, you know, uh, we're afraid that this is going to somehow hurt her. Spoilers. Mm. But would it? Because you know, I. I halfway expected them to pull out the magic card that says, ah, here's your get out of Metacrisis free uh, card. And she, mis- mm-hmm. you know, magically remembers everything and Donna saves the day. I really thought that that was going to happen. You know, I yeah. thought that this was Donna's return and she would then go off and have a happy, I know who I am, Donna Doctor, or just Donna acknowledging maybe not all the knowledge that she had, but at least the knowledge of being a companion. Yeah. And wouldn't you have been disappointed if that's what happened? Mm. I don't know. We'll see next week on our next episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. but what we do know, I, and we know for sure, is the doctor himself travels to the Ood Spear and sees Ood Sigma again. I love going back and seeing this, knowing that when he gets out of that TARDIS going to see Ood Sigma, I know now where he had just come from. That is so cool to me. And that's a complete retcon too. I don't, I, I can't imagine that that was part of the original plan, but it, but it works. No, it, it totally works. So Wait, did I totally miss something here. Ex- explain. Let's see. He he has gone. He's been gone. He has gone to a day specifically for the doctor. How about that? <laughs> and, and it is a day he says that he's, we. 
And we he's have, just married Elizabeth the first, he and says. he has married Elizabeth the, the first. Oh, I didn't catch that at the beginning of the. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't catch that. <laughs> yes. Huh. Okay. Yes. And, or he either married a he either married Elizabeth the first or a version of Elizabeth the first yes. with a bunch of suckers in her face. Right. Or her her horse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but not on this episode. So curious to what you guys think about seeing the Ood return and then let's transition into talking about what I call the Skeletor Roid Rage sci-fi master. <laughs> the Ood, seeing the Ood again. Clarence, any thoughts on seeing the Ood again? Now, didn't we see Ood Sigma in the last episode? Indeed. Uh, briefly? We did. So so I, I think for me, what I was immediately thinking in my head, like, how did he communicate with the doctor across uh, vast distances in time <laughs> to yeah. uh, jump in his head for that, those brief few minutes. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking of, of, of that whole scene. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some type of explanation, I would hope. Mm. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, how did he communicate to summon the doctor here? Okay. Lee, what do you think? Um, I didn't question that because we had experienced them before as powerfully telepathic. They're in constant contact with the uh, the oud the sphere, the uh, uh, central brain, for example. Yeah, that's true. And the doctor's been seeing visions of them, which I have assumed is the the oud reaching out to him. That nobody else could see that, but they're they're beaming that straight into his brain. So I I didn't question this at all. I I thought, yep, here we go again, you know. But the interesting thing is, you may not have questioned it. But the doctor himself questioned it because if I'm not mistaken, the doctor even asked Ood Sigma, you know, how long has this been? And, you know, something is changing, you know, advancing you quicker than what you should be. Yes. So he even questions how, he, how they are able to reach out to him as Clarence was asking. He, you know, he is wondering that himself. So let's get into the warning that they gave. And specifically, we've mentioned him already, this weird version of the master. But before we get to the master, my question is going to be, what did you guys think of the way they brought him back, specifically using this weird magical (sighs) voodoo spell with Lucy's DNA? (laughs) Which really? apparently she ha- she hasn't washed her lips since. Uh, yes. Semester's Thank time. you. <laughs> it's a terrible prison. Oh yeah, they don't even take, get to take baths. You know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, to me, I f- I feel like they throw the rules out. You know, I know this is a time traveling show, and rules are loose, and they yeah. change it at their convenience. But it seems like his return. Which, you know, you guys have hinted to me about what happens in classic who of, of how the master returns. Uh, so in this case, it, it, it's not out of line, but it just felt like to just, they just wanted him back and we're going to bring him back any way we can with, with no rules at all. But I, I was like, I somebody know. watched Harry Potter and said, Ooh, we're going to have, uh, the master and the goblet of master or whatever. Mm hmm. I mean, it, it, I just didn't care for the whole mumbo, you know, witchcraft kind of bringing him back because because that's how it felt. What about you, Lee? Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I and you know, and I I don't want to be part of a of any voices saying I I I hate this part of the show that I love. <laughs> You know? <laughs> and Clarence has really got me thinking about fandom toxicity and about how, how, how much how much time we spend on these shows complaining about things. But I yeah. but I do remember watching that whole thing with naked John Sim and the <laughs> coming out of coming out of the genie's bottle and, and just thinking what what yeah. And I mean because there are rules, you know, also because we had um, somebody come and pick up um, the master's ring, we knew this was going to happen anyway. Yep. True. I just, I, I don't know. I think I would have liked something that was more sciencey. Okay. Yeah. How about this? Does that make sense? Oh, wait, that, oh so, okay. Totally agree with you. Totally. All right, so guys, what do you guys think of this? So in this alternate world that I live in, what if, 
you had a scene here where they still need to get Lucy out of the, you know, to get the DNA, but they've captured some random person, whether it's uh, just a random person on the street, whether it's somebody that they've gotten in a prison, because this is a prison that they're in. And so they take this guy and they t- uh, do something and they, you see the, the regeneration energy and they basically have instilled this person with the essence of the master. To me, that would have made a lot more sense than magically appearing in a puff of smoke. Yeah. And it seemed like they could have made that work, especially when you think of the fact that by uh, what we get to by the end of this episode, he's basically doing that to every human in a sense. You know, he's still, so I believe they could have reworked it where maybe Lucy had a bigger impact. And bringing them back, she was part of bringing them back rather than being in a resistance to it. And maybe she could have been some part of bringing his consciousness back through that machine or something. But the way they did it just felt hocus pocusy. <laughs> agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. The thing that we see after he's got all of these powers and he can, you know, fly around with his magical power fist and After he does that, all of a sudden, he gets captured. And the people that capture him are named Joshua and his daughter, Abigail Naismith. No question other than, what did you two think about these two characters? And Clarence, why don't you go first? What did you think about these two characters? You mean John Jones uh, from Supergirl? (laughs) I didn't know that guy was British. (laughs) <laughs> but David Harwood, I guess, playing Joseph May Smith. Oh, wow. Yeah. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, that's him. Uh, so <laughs> I, so they stated their motivation, which is he wanted his daughter to be immortal. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it seemed like it should have been a little bit more to their motivation than that alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's a good thing to drive toward, I guess. But I don't know if I felt what, the why. In, in uh, what they were doing. I do like how it eventually played out and, you know, how the master used it against them. I thought that was all fun and I really liked that, but I don't know if I really got their motivation, which they did state again. They did state it, but I don't know if I felt it. Yeah, see, that was kind of <laughs> like me. I didn't, you know, oh yeah, he's going to make her immortal or that's what he wants to do. But I, I don't know. That just didn't, I just felt, felt weird. So, Lee, what say ye? Do you think that, that that was weird, that his ultimate purpose was to gain immortality for his daughter? Or what, what were your thoughts of these two characters? Yeah, I, I and maybe I was biased by my, my gut reaction the first time, but I, I felt it again. I just thought, you could have written this story so that it didn't have the Naismiths at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And... It's not that they're not interesting, and that might not have been a, a standalone episode um, somehow, but it's – they're just – what goes on with them is just not interesting enough to sustain their presence in the story. I, that's what I thought. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it would have been more fun to have the Vin Vinci uh, doing that. Yes. But be, because they're aliens, and they seem like up to this point in the episode, it seems like they want to be a part of this. So I think they would have had a bit a better motivation that we can latch on to than having these other characters, which, oh, my daughter wants to be immortal. Yeah. <laughs> and she smiles and that's that's her character. <laughs> yeah. Mm. See, I'm I'm kind of with you guys there. You know, maybe if you would have reframed this whole two parter and put everything that we liked about this episode in the second part. <laughs> and, you know, made this a standalone story, it might would have stood better because remember at the beginning of the episode, I said there was some fluff that we would get to later. The, those two well, characters to me were fluff that we did not need. Yeah. But one of the things that we did need and one of my favorite parts of this episode was the conversation that Wilf and the doctor had in the cafe. Yeah. So we oh, we see the doctor and he is sitting talking with Wilf 
And this is even before Donna and her new fiance, Sean Temple, uh, arrive outside or outside this coffee house or restaurant or wherever it is that they are. So let's focus first on this conversation that the doctor had with Will. I'm going to die. Well, so am I one day. Don't you dare. All right, I'll try not to. (laughs) But I was told he will knock four times. That was a prophecy. Knock four times and then... Yeah, but I thought when I saw you before, you said that your people could change like your whole body. I can still die. If I'm killed before regeneration, then I'm dead. Even then, even if I change, it feels like dying. Everything I am dies. Some new man goes sauntering away. And I'm dead. I'm sorry, but I had to. Look, can't you make her better? Stop it. No, but you're so clever. Can't you bring her memory back? Just go to her now. Go on, just run across the street. Go up and say hello. If she ever remembers me, her mind will burn and she will die. And then sometimes I see this look on her face. Like she's so sad that she can't remember why. She's making do. Aren't we all? (laughs) Don't you you see? You need her, Doctor. I mean, look, wouldn't she make you laugh again? Good old Donna. So, Lee, why don't you take this one first? What were your thoughts in that are on that conversation. I, you're going to ask me later what one of my favorite scene is, and I'll go ahead and say this is it. And it has a parallel scene in the second part, and that's my favorite scene in the second part too. So there, I'm done for discussing who. My God. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's so profound to have the doctor open up the way he does to this man who has. Uh, for for uh, on a terrestrial scale, he's seen it all. Yeah, and he has lived, and he he understands the stakes, and he still he's he still dreams, he still looks to the stars, and and you realize how very much alike they are to be so different, and I think that's why the doctor can can cry in front of him. Yeah, it's a shocking moment when he starts to. To cry, and he catches it himself. I mean, so it only lasts for a second. He he hides his own face, but it's there. And and Bernard Cribbins, he just looks like he's been punched in the stomach when he when he sees that uh, as Wolf. It's 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 a it's a it's a staggering moment. And I I love. I, I'm going to start saying this to people. You know, <laughs> he, the doctor says I'm I'm going to die, and Wolf says, Well, you know, so am I. And the doctor's response is, Don't you dare. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. I love it. All right, Clarence, what say ye? Oh man, um, like Lee said, this whole this scene at the cafe is fantastic, and we found out why Wilf has passed up three other cafes to bring the doctor to this one, and that's because you know Donna is lurking outside, and yeah, I, what I found from this episode as well as maybe the last few is I don't too much like the doctor without a companion is kind of what I'm figuring out. And I don't think the doctor likes himself without a companion. Mm. He is, I mean, the epitome of lonely as I guess Wilf would be the mirror to that because he's lonely, not being able to share what he knows with Mm. Donna and it's just aching at him. And, and when he says to the doctor, go out there and talk to her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So impactful. Mm. He he knows the doctor must have a way to fix it. Yeah. He, he knows he does. Mm. Yeah. And that'll have a, a parallel moment in uh, the second part, too, where he says, you've got something up your sleeve, you know, the old doctor thing, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I, I really, you know, I, I'm agreeing with everything you both just said. The thing that got me about this one was, Yes, I liked the conversation that he had with Wilf, but it really made an impact on me watching this because of the way he described regeneration. And I don't think, and Lee, you can keep me honest here, I don't think we've ever gotten as a a direct quote from the doctor before. I don't think we've ever gotten this raw 
discussion and this admission of what it's like to regenerate. Am I right there? I, I don't believe so, no. In um, Caves of Androzani, um, the, the, the fifth doctor says something like this, that um, it feels like you're dying. It doesn't feel like you're about to become somebody else. It just feels like you're dying. Mm-hmm. And see, I've always, before this episode, my interpretation of regeneration was, yes, the change alters his personality. And yes, I still believe absolutely that it's the same being. It's the same, you know, person inside. But the way mm-hmm. he described it as I go away and this new version of me, this new man mm-hmm. saunters off, that it was yeah. that much of a disconnect between one version and the other. Even though they're the same person, they have the same memories. It feels that much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of like a, a, a trio symbiote. Yeah, literally. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But yes, and also bringing Donna, you know, like Clarence, you mentioned, bringing it all the way down there to that Pacific, uh, specific, not Pacific, specific place that he knew she would be at in hopes that there would be something to trigger the doctor to go do something and bring Donna back. Yeah, and I love how in that scene they, the moon was the mood was light lightened when you know the doctor was brooding a bit about being somebody else, but yet they can look out the window and see Donna being her old self, mm-hmm. <laughs> loud and and you know fussing at the I, I guess it was a valet or somebody outside her car. It's a meter maid. It's a oh it's that's a what copper that? who's a, yeah she's about to ticket her car. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you touch my car. And, and you know, that's just another example of the brilliance of Catherine Tate because her <laughs> last scenes, other than the final, you know, that she, that final scene that she shot, she's being the Dr. Donna. And then she comes back a year later or however long it is. And she's back to the runaway bride yeah. version of mm-hmm. Donna yep. from years and years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned this next part briefly, and this is a direct result of Jonathan and Abigail's machinations, the immortality gate. So what did you think of the immortality gate? Either one of you. Yeah, at first I thought it would just be simply mind control, but man, he took it to another level. Jeez. Um, (laughs) And oh, man. It's, it always happens in these shows where you let the evil genius help you because you need something, but he really does something to the system because he knows more than you and he's way smarter to eventually get the upper hand. <laughs> and once again, that's what happens. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I love I loved seeing what the master was able to do with it. Uh, again, I don't really see the motivation for the Naismith family tampering with something that was this powerful and maybe they didn't know who was this powerful obviously maybe the the vin vinci knew the potential but but i don't know i don't know i, I feel like them being so adamant in tampering with this thing um but again if you have the motivation to cure all sickness um maybe that's a good motivation but still mm-hmm. don't let the evil genius tamper with it it's just- right agreed agreed <laughs> lee What's yeah, that 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 exact point really bugged me throughout all of this. Is that it? It's okay if Naismith is so um, uh, maniacal, so fixated on his goal that he makes stupid mistakes. But I, I always think you you, you shouldn't uh, allow, as a writer, you shouldn't allow the audience to get ahead of the characters in the story. And when Naismith, you know, turns the master loose on this powerful machine, surely we're all out of the audience going. Well, that's probably not going to end well. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it diminishes Naismith. It makes him kind of yeah. stupid. And then later on, he'll say, you know, uh, I, he, if the masters tried to sabotage it, we'll catch it because we got, we'll do checks and double checks. And that, really, this is alien yeah. technology that you just said you don't understand. Yeah. How are you going to check? Never mind. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! Take him into custody. Yes, you might try this. What? <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole <laughs> idea that Skeletor Master 
is going to be able to be contained after we've just seen him basically eat two people, mm-hmm. you know, eat, you know, drain their energy. For and iron of, men around the planet. <laughs> yes. You know, and doing all of this stuff. So you're going to put him in a straitjacket and it's going to keep him. Really? Yeah. So for me, I never thought of them as menacing at all. I saw them as stooges the whole time. And it's not the actor or actress that is at fault there. It's the writing that is, is at fault. Because yeah. it's just what you said, Lee. You put them in a situation where... They come across as being so one-dimensional that they come across as stooges to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. But speaking of stooges, sometimes <laughs> at the well, well, before we get to that, we do see the master replicate himself in every body across the entire planet, with the exception, of course, Wilf and Donna. So my question to you guys is, any thoughts on this master population, for lack of a better word? Uh, seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't like that at all. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I understand why it's perilous. You don't want the whole world to be the master. But I don't. It's an effect that they, uh, the visual effect they, they've used several times on, on the series, and and I I never like it. I, I don't know. I really am just being complainy about this episode. But it, you know, I, whenever it's just the Doctor and Wolf, I'm happy. But <laughs> everything else in this episode bugs me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, but I, I just I don't I don't like that effect. I didn't. The, the whole thing of showing us that now everybody in the whole world is, is played by John Sim, John Sim in a dress and so on. It goes on and on and on. Yeah. And I wanted to say, we get it. So are oh, you saying the president? You, yes. And you know yes. what? I did not know until I read up on this episode tonight. Of course, that wasn't, uh, you know, Barack Obama, of course, it, that was playing the part, but they actually used some audio from the real Barack Obama. Yeah. I did not know yeah. that. I know I was like, wow, that whoever that voice actor is, is good. Yeah. But no, that, that was, uh, and it's a pretty easy, uh, uh get, I, I would imagine it'd be pretty easy to find a clip of him saying, I, I want to talk about the economy. True. <laughs> Cause that's all he says. <laughs> True. And at the time that would have been what he would have been talking about. Yeah, that's right. So, well, the, there were two things and I, w- one thing I want to mention, Lee, you said that, you could, you know, one of the one of your gripes, which was my gripe too, because it looked awkward, uh, is you saw John Sim head imposed on everyone, including female bodies, with and in, in, in a dress, and that looked different. So I just wanted to say, are you sure you wouldn't like the master in a dress? Well, you know, uh, if if it's going to be played by uh, somebody who who rocks it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Say something nice, just a exactly. reminder. But just the other thing that nice. the other thing that I thought that they tried to say that just was supposed to be clever and that just didn't quite sit right with me was whenever they jokingly said, "Oh, I call this the master race." I just that just was kind of like, "Eh, you tried to be clever, but I just didn't like that." Huh, that's interesting. I really, I really, really like that line. Really? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so that's one of the things in the episode that I like. But, you know, just because I, I wasn't expecting it. And so then when he uses the phrase, I thought, well, yeah, of course that is what this is. This is literally yeah. the master race. And because of the show's general, uh, interest in an obsession with Nazis. Ah, and well, okay. All right. Well, I'll give you that. I, I thought, wow, this is uh, once again, Dr. Who gets to, Gets to stick it to the Nazis. I just thought, wow, that's, that's really, that's really nice. Yeah. There's, there's no human race, only the master race. Mm. Well, if you frame it like that, maybe, maybe I like it a little bit better. (laughs) We were talking about stooges and I said, well, let me say what I did about the master before we get to stooges because sometimes they are considered stooges, but this is the episode in which the Time Lords return. So, Clarence, what did you think about that ending for all these four seasons that we've seen? 
the Time Lords are gone, and then all of a sudden we see that this person that's been narrating the story is actually the Lord President of the Time Lords. What were your initial thoughts? How did you know he's the Lord President, Kyle? Did they say it in this episode? <laughs> I don't think they did. They didn't. It <laughs> didn't I, happen. I, I <laughs> no, knew it was a I, fixed moment. I just knew it. <laughs> no, no. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I love the grandness that they brought with the introduction of, of, of these guys. You know, uh, we, we're, um, what, rained with spit from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I should bring it. <laughs> no, I thought it was grand. I I love the pullback scene to see the huge what uh auditorium or whatever they were mm-hmm. with with all of the uh Gallifreyans. I thought that was really large scale. It felt huge and I was excited to see what that went in the next episode. Alright. Lee, what say ye? What did you think about that? Well, um, I think like everybody else, I got fixated on Timothy Dalton spitting and, um, <laughs> and it does kind of make you wonder, I, you know, that, that everybody who has shot this and edited it can see it. So it's, so it becomes a choice. They chose to keep that take with him spitting like that. <laughs> and I don't understand why I, I, it's, it's just a different set of sensibilities, but you know, I, uh, anyway, <laughs> maybe it conveys a sense of seriousness, maybe. Well, I mean, it, 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 we're not supposed to like him, you know, so mm. it, it is certainly off-putting. You go, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. I could sort of imagine RTD and editors, everybody, you know, gathered around the monitors looking at that going, you know what? I like it. I like it because it is kind of repulsive. You know, that's, that's yeah. good. Let's, let's do that. But so I don't know. But anyway, it, it just, it's just an odd choice. It so, seems to so, me. So Lee, but, since you are one who I know has written, edited and produced things in audio and in video, let me s- give you a word to the warning. You mm-hmm. may never know how big the screen may be that your work may one day, maybe 10 years later, be yeah. presented. So when you're watching yeah. that. What did that look like on a big screen? Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a lot more spit now, put it that way. <laughs> well, there is uh, there is a moment in um, uh, Hang On, uh, Keeper of Trocken. Where uh, Tom Baker has got he's got a cold or something his nose is running and somewhere in the middle of this take it just starts running and this trail of snot comes out of his nose <laughs> and he doesn't notice it nobody in the control room notices it you know so it's on video they kept that take because you know they they did almost everything in one take you know they'll shoot it and go on to the next thing <laughs> in those days and you know I would imagine that when it was broadcast nobody saw it. But you look at that on the DVD now on a big screen and there's, yeah, you just want to reach into the camera with a handkerchief and go, hey, doctor, let me, let me just get, yeah, <laughs> let me just get that for you. It's really, yeah, but it just bears uh, what you're saying. You know, you never know how big a screen <laughs> that it will one day be. <sighs> and plus this is the move to HD for, for the production team here. So that's right. That's right. It may be a sensibility that they're not used to adhering to. <laughs> good point. Good, good, good point. My question before we get into favorite quote, my question to you guys is, are there any other comments from part one that you had written down that you guys want to mention before we get into our favorite quote? Oh, yes. It's um, it's delightful to see little June Whitfield here as uh, somebody who's going to actually grab the doctor's butt in this episode. Mini so Hooper. that's... <laughs> And, uh, that's right. And, um, all of us who are fans of Absolutely Fabulous remember her as, uh, kind of the beleaguered, bewildered, uh, mom on that show and, uh, a million other things. Same thing with Sinead Keenan, who is, uh, one of the, um, one of the spiky characters in this. What is her, what is her character name? She's only identified by her, the, her, um, yeah, her, her alien shimmer is called Adams. But anyway, I just, I don't think I had noticed before I'd given her full credit and we'll see a lot more of it in the second part, but what a great performance. Her, 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 her line readings are hilarious and she knows what her face can do. Uh, 
in that makeup and how it's going to appear on camera. So she just, just watch her in part two. Uh, she is, she's, she's to me one of the highlights of this. I'm so glad that it's that. And she's another one of these people who has been in, you know, 12 different series in the UK. She's just, she's very popular. And this is, this is one of her, uh, one of her first real outings. She's just wonderful. So cool. So what about you, Clarence? Any other comments or points that you had before we get into our favorite quote? Uh, the foreign knocks started to feel a little too much. And when he did it on the oil drum, I was like, Oh, really? It's more of this. <laughs> yeah. But we did get the contact moment where the master, you know, uh, conveys what he's hearing in his head yeah. to the doctor, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Contact. Um, yeah. Um, I don't get why the doctor walked directly into the master's energy beams. That just felt weird, but I guess he was okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My thing on that was kind of going back to what one of you, and I think it was you, Clarence, said a moment ago, which is, it's a, it's in HD. This will look cool. Let's try this. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right. So, gentlemen, favorite quote. And you know what? I will start it off, even though it was spat upon us, I'm going to say this is the day that the Time Lords return, simply for the fact that we had not seen the Time Lords for, you know, live other than in flashbacks, and we had been told they were completely gone. I thought this was monumental, so that's going to be my favorite quote. This is the day the Time Lords return. Mm. So, Clarence, favorite quote, what say ye? I have a few, but I think the one I'll point out is when the doctor is with the Vinvechi and, and, uh, Wilfred is there as well. The doctor says shimmer and Wilfred says, Oh my lord, she's a cactus. Which I thought was freaking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> the whole yeah. shimmer thing is funny. Yeah. Shimmer. <laughs> it was great. All right. Oh cool. So Lee, favorite quote. Well, you've already heard mine, but here, here it is in its entirety. The human race was always your favorite doctor, but now there is no human race. There is only the, the master race. race. The, but the honorable PC mention. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, honorable mention has got to be C, like a car. I locked it like a car. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that was awesome. A little bit. That was awesome. Yeah. Blimey, trying to make an ood laugh. <laughs> 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 All right. So, favorite scene, Lee. Favorite scene. Oh, yeah. As we've said before, that uh, that whole conversation with the wolf in the in the cafe, it's just uh, it's just tremendous. And what great performances from both of them. It's just it's just a well, you know one of the best things in the the whole series. Cool, Clarence. Favorite scene. Oh man, do I have a favorite scene in this episode? Ah. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I think I liked Wilfred rallying the troops on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these people with just these remnants of what's happening in their dreams, which is obviously what happened um, at the uh, the last time we saw the master. So I loved him trying to rally the troops and <laughs> and find the doctor, which he does, to which the doctor is surprised. So yeah, I just I just love him kind of you know being the gang leader there and. And, and trying to find a doctor, I thought that was great. Cool, cool. So my favorite scene is going to be Lee's favorite scene. And mm-hmm. it's for the very reason I said earlier about this description of what regeneration is. And I love that. So that's that's my favorite scenes. So final rating. Clarence, I'm going to think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you think it was too borderline too religious when they're in the church looking at the stained glass at the beginning and, and the lady's like, they say he's coming back. Like, really? Is that why I'm going to use like it's Jesus or something coming? I don't know. I didn't like that. <laughs> and, and that was right after the narrator had told us that on Earth they're celebrating his pagan ritual. Yeah. Mm. Which is, is what Christmas is, whether you like it or not. But, <laughs> um, you know, but, but, but calling it out that way was sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny mixed bag. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Clarence. I, I, I get that off, off, awkward feeling anytime you 
go a little bit too far into the realm of religion. And we've, you know, we've mentioned, I think it was in Forest, not Forest of the Damned, uh, Voyage of the Damned, where those angelic oh, robots yeah. are basically ascending, you know. Through yes, the, he, he ascended out of hell and into heaven. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, that made me uncomfortable. This, I don't think, made me as uncomfortable, but I think it was because I fixated on the woman in white. So, you know, they could, they could have said, you know, the doctor was the second coming and I wouldn't have noticed it because I was so fixated (laughs) on her. Yeah. Well, I can't wait till next week when we find out who she is. Ah, Who knows? (laughs) Who, who is she? But before we even speculate, the question is your final rating and do you have a final rating for this particular episode or do you want to do it as one big story? It's up to you guys. Hmm. No, I think we can read these separately. Okay. I, All right. So uh, what would you give it then? What say ye? It's funny that I haven't given it any thought until right now, but I'm going to say 3.5. There's so much about it that is, is really strong, and I feel like you got to give it a lot of points for David Tennant and Bernard Cribbins. But, my God, what a mess. So much of the rest of this. It's yeah. just... I, it's, 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 it's disappointing, but okay. Three so that's point me. five. Clarence, what uh, say Lee, me and me and Lee and I must have had contact because <laughs> 3.5, um, it, it, it just drawn on a little too long, but there were great, 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 great moments. So it feels like instead of making it a 60 minute episode, it could have been 42 solid minutes that I would have really loved, but it just mm. kind of drawn on a little too long. Bye bye, mm-hmm. Naismiths. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yep. And you know That's what? Right. And you know what? Bye bye, Naismiths translates into in numeric form 3.5. I'm not going to break the chain. I'm going to say That's it's right. a 3.5. So cool. That was fun. And my last and final and most important question is going to be where can people find you on the internet? And Lee, why don't you go first? Uh, for the time being, I'm pointing everybody towards wifi sci-fi dot org and just say, what in the world is wifi sci-fi? Well, you'll have to go to the website and find out as so many others have done. So join the, join the crusade, join the men, hop aboard with wifi sci-fi. So real quick, before I ask that question to Clarence, I have one quick question. Does Mm. that website have on it the totally awesome bumper i believe you made with the weird voice that is so cool that's wi-fi sci-fi yes okay mm-hmm. cool does indeed cool so clarence brown or if it doesn't i need to put it on there now. but you need to yeah. put it on there exactly yeah but I, but i am putting it on every at the end of every episode of relativity and uh you'll also hear it uh at the end of uh, a ninth world journal and Moonbase theta out Oz 9, Tales of Sage and Savant, and Who Am I Forgetting? Girl in Space. Yes, indeed. By a strange coincidence. And by an even stranger coincidence, I think that listeners of Discussing Who will have already heard it on previous episodes. You've been leading with it because you're you're a gentleman and a scholar. But you know who is also a gentleman and a scholar? Clarence Brown. Yes, indeed. So, Clarence, where can we find you on the internet? Thank you, fellas. Um, well, it's not so much where you can find me, but I want to put out a call to action right now. So if you are listening to this podcast and you made it this far, <laughs> please, on the podcatcher of your choice, whether it be Android or especially over there on iTunes, go ahead and head on to our iTunes podcast page and leave us five stars or, you know, whatever you're feeling and leave us a written review. We'd really love that. And it helps our show get discovered by other Whovians. So we'd really appreciate that. Appreciate that. Awesome. And thank you for saying that. Yeah. And last but not least, and I what's would... I, what is iTunes though? You may want to be clear about that one. What is iTunes you speak of? Eh? Yeah. Well, you're right because it may not even be iTunes anymore. Isn't it Apple Podcasts? Podcast. Well, it's Apple Podcasts for people who who upgraded to Catalina. So yes, and, and because still... you know I'm a dummy, I went ahead and upgraded too quick. So it is Apple Pod. It's just called Podcast now. Excuse me, just Podcast. Uh-huh. But, wow. Um, just like, cause I have music, I have podcast, I have TV. 
So yeah. anyway, uh, but I would also <laughs> point everyone to our discussing network YouTube channel. I've been working lately trying to put up some of our episode discussing who discussing comics on there so you can find that at youtube.com slash discussing network and also subscribe we would very much appreciate it and gentlemen i think next week on our next episode and for everyone listening we will be back next week for the end of time part two we'll see you next time came to pass on christmas day that the human race did cease to exist. But even then, the master had no concept of his greater role in events, for this was far more than humanity's end. This day was the day upon which the whole of creation would change forever. This was the day the Time Lords returned. For Gallifrey... For victory! For victory! For the end of time itself! For the end of time itself! You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.